The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. We are in a series, uh, week two of our series, My Father Is, and we're talking about some attributes of God just to get to know Him better. And uh, I really believe uh, that God is going to do some major work in our hearts as we get to know Him as a good Father. As we answer the question, if God is a Father, what kind of Father is He? That we're going to develop trust and a, a deeper relationship with Him than we ever have. So we got two more weeks after this, and then we're going into a new series called Fish On. And what better time of the year to do a series called Fish On? than when the fish are running. And so uh, we're excited about that. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. And we're going to kind of blow up our perspectives of what it means to be on mission as a church and as a community. And so excited about that. Lots of good stuff to come. Um, but before I kind of get into things, I want to have sort of a family conversation with you guys. Um, and, and so many of you have been kind of following what's been going on politically for the past few days with the Supreme Court ruling about same-sex marriage. Um, I just want to throw my phone away because it's just social media is a mess. Somebody this week was like, oh, it looks like a war between a Confederate army and a Skittles factory broke out on my, on my Facebook page. It's just like craziness. And so, anyway, it's, I know it's crazy. I know there's a lot going on. Um, some of you here today uh, may feel a deep sense of victory um, because of what happened. Others of you are reeling from this and feeling a sense of, like, some of my Christian friends are walking around like their team just lost the Super Bowl. Like, it's very sad. And um, it, it's a difficult thing to, to walk through some of these things because it's very divisive. And if you haven't seen, it feels like there's, there's hatred on many different sides here. And it's a very deep struggle. And so I was laying in bed last night going, do we talk about this? Uh, do I just ignore it? And I realized, no, this is stuff that we need to talk about as a church and as a community because it's really what's going on around us. Um, and the world is changing. And so it forces us to ask the question, what do we believe? And uh, do you believe it well enough to deal with some persecution because of it, um, to deal with the tension? And then how as a church do you respond? And so just for you to know, like, as, as ACF Church, as a leadership, um, one thing, here's what we believe. We believe that every person bears the image of God, that every person has the fingerprint of God on them. And because of that, that every human being is infinitely valuable. And every human being deserves respect and honor and to be treated with love and dignity. So, so that's what we believe. We also believe that God's original intent for marriage was between a man and a woman. And so for you to understand that that is the perspective of the leadership, but also to understand that don't buy into the hype. You don't have to hate people that disagree with you, okay? So, so don't buy into the hype. And, and here's the thing. I was thinking this week, Jesus says in John 16, he says, in this world you will experience trouble, but then take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that's what Jesus says. He says, listen, take heart if you're struggling, if you're dealing with trouble, because I have overcome the world. And what he's saying is li literally, the kingdom of God is moving forward, you guys. Like, I just see so much fear uh, in the eyes of so many Christians. And I want to tell you, do not fear. 
Do not fear because Jesus has overcome the world. And the kingdom of God is this freight train that's moving and not even the Supreme Court can stop it, okay? So the kingdom of God is moving and God is reigning and Jesus has overcome the world and he has won. Uh, some of you are here today and maybe you're part of the LGBT community. Um, and if you're here, I want to I encourage you to be here because this is a place, what I love about ACF Church is that you don't have to believe to belong at ACF. You don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to buy into everything. It's okay. And what we see ourselves as is, is, is as a church, we are sojourners. Like we're on a journey together and we're growing together and learning together. And I'll have a lot of questions for God. When I go to heaven, I'm going to ask a lot of questions, you know, like it's just going to be a lot of questions because I, I have a lot of things that I don't understand on this, on this earth. And so we're all kind of growing and learning together. And so I want to encourage you, be here. Christians, respond in love. This is not a time for hatred. This is not a time for uh, responding in wrath, but only responding in love. And, uh, and so I think that's going to that's gonna serve us well. The other thing is, uh, I was thinking about this guy named Paul who wrote much of the Bible. He, uh, he was on his missionary journeys dealing with a lot of culture wars uh, like we find ourselves in today. And he said this, he says, I've resolved in all of this to know one thing, and that's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so I was reading that this week, and I was like, you know, this is how Paul would respond. He would say this. He'd say, here's what we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And as a church, that is the flag that we will wave, okay? So that is the banner as a church that we will wave is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because nothing unifies the world like the realization that we are all messed up. Like ACF Church, if you're new here, if you're like, this is your first week, you need to understand this is a church of a lot of really messed up people. Amen? Amen. All right, good. So we know that. So it's a church of a lot of messed up people. And we're all on this process together of acknowledging the, the messed up part of, of our lives and choosing something better. And so the thing is, this, the cross puts us all in the same place together. Like no matter where you come from, no matter what your perspective is on any of this, we all come to the cross from the same place of neediness. And so we all are unified under that. So don't make this issue the issue. Okay? This is not the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's the banner we wave, and that's what we focus on. So don't get drug into it on either side. Wherever you're at this morning, don't get drug into it. Uh, transcend it, and uh, realize there are, there are a lot of other battles uh, left to fight. And uh, I think it's what's going to happen here over time. I spoke a few weeks ago about how it's becoming less and less culturally acceptable to be a Christian. And what's going to happen is slowly it's going to cause you to wrestle with whether or not you really want to check that box on the survey that says Christian, you know? I mean, it used to be, ah, yeah, my parents are Christian. I went to church when I was a kid. I go to church sometimes. Like, I'm a Christian. That's cool. Now what's going to happen is you're going to go, okay, that's going to cost me something. Like, this legitimately may cost me something to check this box. So what's going to happen is slowly the, the nominal Christian crowd in, the, in America, which is a very large crowd, is going to shrink. And it's going to cause the church, I, I pray and I hope to rise up with people who truly deeply believe and are convicted that Jesus Christ is alive. And so that is, that is where we're at. And uh, I hope we can move forward from that. I felt like I needed to talk about that. And I could talk your ear about it, off about it, but uh, I got other stuff <laughs> to, to speak on this morning. So uh, let's move ahead together with love. Amen. Amen. Good. So we are talking about my father is, and I think it fits well with this, because this week is called my father is trustworthy. My father is trustworthy. How many times have you looked at God and been like, 
were you just not paying attention there? Like just kind of golfing or not involved or it looks like you kind of failed, God. It looks like you're not really that aware of what's going on here. Um, so I've mentioned a few times I'm a father. I've got three kids and my oldest name is, is Cadence. And uh, one of my favorite things growing up uh, with them is just throwing them in the air as a daddy. Any dads love to do that, love to throw your kids in the air? I just love that. And so... And as a man, what you do is you throw them a little bit, and if they're okay, what do you do? You throw them higher, right? It's like, how far can we push this thing so you get a little higher, and then the people, like moms are having heart attacks as they're watching this kid, you know, getting in the air. And so I used to love this with Cadence, and I'd throw in the air, and I'd catch her, and she'd laugh, and I'd throw a little farther, and I'd catch her, and she'd laugh, you know. And, and so at one point, I've got all a bunch of friends at the house, and I'm playing this game in our living room. And so, you know, I'm throwing in the air, and I'm catching her, and I'm throwing her in the air, and I'm catching her. And I say something to my friend, and I, I take a step to the right, and I throw her in the air, and we have a ceiling fan. <laughs> I'd not considered that. And, and so, yeah, yeah, that's really the end of the story, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you know what happens from there. So the fan comes around, it smacks her in the head, I catch my child. Everybody looks at me like the worst dad in America. She's screaming and crying, you know, I mean, she was okay, but clearly very upset with her father. And since then, serious trust issues. <laughs> serious trust, I, I'll be honest, like, we go to the pool, and I'm in down in the pool, and I'm like, Cadence jumped to me, and she's like, uh-uh. And I, and I know what's going through her head. She's not saying it, but she's thinking, ceiling fan, ceiling fan. I, I just know it. And there's been multiple times that I've, got, I've gone, okay, I'm still paying for this. And, and you, don't, you don't trust me. And I just, I wonder, I wonder for you, if you look at your life, have there been things that you've gone through that you're like, okay, this is why I don't trust you, God. Like ceiling fan moments where you're like, remember that? Remember when you should have done this or, or this happened? That, that you didn't respond the way I wanted you to, or this horrible thing happened, that's a ceiling fan moment for me. I, I, don't, I don't trust you, God, because I went through this difficult thing. And so we have to wrestle with this. What kind of God is this? Can we trust him? Can we truly trust him? I, I think there's this epidemic in the church today of people who would say, I am a Christian, I follow God, and yet I don't truly trust God with my life. Uh, the statistics are this, that three in four people say they believe in God, seven in ten people believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and yet many people's lives don't actually reflect that. And so I just wonder if there's something for us to learn about this. I heard a pastor recently call this Christian atheism, that you're a Christian atheist. It's that atheism, obviously, meaning you don't believe in God, but you say that you're a Christian. And so we walk in this weird dualistic type of life where we're like, yeah, I believe in God. I, I trust him. And yet when people look in from the outside, do our lives reflect that trust in God? And so if you want to flip over to Titus chapter 1, we're going we're gonna to walk through a few passages here. I'm going to skip around a little bit today. But Titus chapter 1, this is, this is Paul speaking, writing to a guy named Titus, who presumably he shared the gospel with, and Titus got saved, and then he got excited about ministry, and so he wanted to start working with churches and sharing the gospel. And so um, Titus is working in this place called Crete that is this uh, morally and spiritually depraved culture. It's just a mess. Uh, it's on one of the largest islands in the Mediterranean. And uh, so Paul is speaking to him because he's dealing with all of these people who profess to know God, who would check the box and say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, and yet they are disobedient to God. 
And so let's read this together in verse uh, 13, Titus 1.13. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciousness are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So pretty harsh words from Paul as he talks about these people of Crete. He's saying, listen, they do a lot of the right stuff. And they might do a lot of good things. They might help a lot of old ladies across the street. You know, they might uh, give a lot of money to this organization or to that church or whatever. Uh, they might look really good on the outside, and yet on the inside, they don't truly trust God because over here is all of this disobedience. And, and they say that they trust him, but really they do not. And, and all of the good stuff that they do is worthless, he's saying. He's like, listen, they do a lot of good stuff, but all of it is worthless because they don't truly put their faith in God. It's just all external. And so this is the culture that he was speaking to. I wonder if there's something for us to learn today in our church, in the culture that we live in, uh, when it comes to trusting God as our Father. So could we just pray together? And then we're going to get more into this text. Jesus, we invite you into this space today. God, I just thank you for the community that we have. I thank you for uh, the place that we get to live in. Uh, God, I do thank you for all of the freedoms that we do have to be agents of the gospel. Father, I just pray to get today as we explore this, God, that we develop a deeper trust in you. God, I pray for those here today that would say, listen, I don't trust God. I don't believe he's good. I don't believe he loves me. God, that as we explore this together, that they'd be able to have a deep sense of your love and compassion for them. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, you can follow along in your Bibles in the seat in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you can take that Bible home with you, and that's just a gift to you. Um, you can download uh, the YouVersion Bible app and follow along there, or go to acfak.org, and there's a little header on the top of the page you can click on and get the notes digitally. So uh, that's some options for you, or it'll all be on the screen behind me. But uh, let's explore this a little bit more, because I feel like lots of people have seen God do a lot of really good things, and lots of people would say, there is a God, and he's, he, he's, uh, he's done a lot of good things in our culture, but it would be clear if, if we looked at your life that maybe you don't really trust him like you should. And so the first thing I want to say is that to know God is to trust in him. To know God is to trust in him. So here's what I mean by this. Um, I know some famous people. I don't know if you guys know any famous people. I know, I know a few famous people. And so um, one guy that I know is this guy named David Crowder. Has anybody ever heard of David Crowder? So yeah, we love some good David Crowder fans. So uh, David Crowder is like the Adam Levine of Christian music. You know, he's like, he's just, he is like pioneered a lot of Christian music. And uh, he's got the big old goatee and the afro. And so um, he is, he's just, he's a dude. And uh, I was a worship leader for a lot of years, and so as a worship leader, you kind of love David Crowder. It's just what happens. And so, anyway, so we, we were down in Texas at a conference, uh, Dwayne, who's running media stuff in the back, and me, and we were in Texas, and it occurred to me, I'm like, this is where David Crowder's from. Uh, we should just go find him. 
And we had a few minutes, and so I'm like, let's go find him. And so I did a little, a little uh, internet stalking, and I was like, okay, so University Baptist Church, this is where he goes to church and works at this church, so we're going to go find him. And so we go to University Baptist Church at Baylor University, and, you know, I, I walk in the door, and I'm like, oh, this is where he's from, you know, and I walk up to the, I'm expecting, like, guards or something, you know, like, blocking the entrance you know, to the lair of David Crowder. And so uh, there's nothing like that. There's just like a 21-year-old girl sitting at a desk. And I'm like, hey. She's like, hi. And so I just kind of walked in. She's like, do you want to look around? And I'm like, can I? She's like, yeah. Walk around. And, I, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. David Crowder was here. And I'm walking through the halls. And it's just an average church, but I'm just like, this is awesome, you know. And so I'm walking down the hallway. And I walk by this office, and I look in the office, and there he is. He's at a piano, and there's David Crowder at this piano, and, and sitting next to him on this piano bench is this other guy named Louis Giglio. Anybody ever heard of Louis Giglio? Another pretty influential Christian leader at Passion City Church. And I'm like, ah! You know, like, teenage girl Taylor Swift stuff. Like, and so I, I look at them, and I'm standing awkwardly in the doorway, and they look up from the piano, and I go, what's up? <laughs> and they're like, what's up? And then I walked on, and that's all I did. And Dwayne was like, what's wrong with you? That was your moment. You should have, like, run in there and, like, selfie with David Crowder. Like, I didn't do any of that. I just walked on. And so uh, I'm friends with David Crowder. It's pretty awesome. It's... Uh, <laughs> We're like this. <laughs> Calls me all the time. Um, yeah, that's all I got. So I just wonder, like, I wonder for you, as you look at your relationship with God, if you sort of have that, like, what's up, sort of relationship with God. As, as you come in here on Sunday morning, you're like, yeah, so every week I go in and we sing some songs to God. And then, like, uh, the guy gets up front, and he opens the scriptures a little bit, and we talk about some things, and then I leave, you know, and, and I kind of do a little sup to God, you know, on Sundays. And then, you know, maybe during the week, I'm coming up to, a, to an exam, and I'm like, hey, so hook a brother up, right? So, like, give me a hand here uh, with all this knowledge thing. So help me, to, help me to pass this test. Or, you know, you're dealing with a, a job situation. You're like, hey, so hook me up here. I need the promotion. So you're just a little, little sup prayer, like to God. And, and so then, then it's by that time, it's Sunday again. So back to Sunday. But I just wonder, is, as you go around through life, if you're like, if somebody asks you, man, do you know God? Do you, like, do you really know God? If you'd say, oh, yeah, like we're, we are close. We are tight, me and God. We're like this. And so... I wonder if that's how it is. And, and, and if you looked at your life, you would say, well, maybe I don't truly know him. And then I would ask you, well, do you trust God? And many people would say, yes, but again, as you look at your life, maybe it would, it would, it would prove that you don't really trust God. Because I think, I think it works like this. I think when you get to know him, you realize you can trust him. Because if you ask me, like, hey, Brian, would you let David Crowder watch your children? I'd be like, no way. He's, in, he's a Texan, right? I don't know what happens in Texas. I'm, closed. I'm just kidding. Any Texans in the room? I love Texas. It's good. So, yeah, barbecue. Um, so, I, I just I wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't because I don't really know him. You know, I, I kind of 
felt like I got to know him for a minute because uh, I gave him a sup, but I didn't, I don't really know the guy. I'd never let him watch my kids, you know? And so it's, it's one way, like, you just think about it. Do you really trust God? Uh, do you really know him? And I think once you get to know him, you develop a trust in him. Psalm 910 says, And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O God, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know his name will put their trust in him. We talked last week about how we can call God Abba, Father. It's this term in scripture, this very intimate way of calling God like Daddy. That's what Abba means. It's this intimate term like, no, I know this God. We're tight. I can trust him because I know him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so I wonder, like, I wonder if you lack trust in God, which I think we all, if we're honest, sometimes lack trust in God. If we, if we really have sought out God, if we have really with all of our heart sought to get to know God, because I know a lot of people would say, yeah, I've written off Christianity. I've written off Jesus. Uh, and, and they've written it off because they met a Christian who was a jerk once. Or they saw something on the news that made Jesus look bad. You know, or they saw the guy on the street corner who is the, you know, you're all going to hell guy with the sign. And so it's like, okay, so I don't, I don't trust God. I don't, but I wonder, have you really spent the time? Have you really done what it takes to truly seek God with all of your heart? And again, I think this is the place to do it. I think if, if that's you, if you're a sojourner, if you're learning to know God better and you're just in process, that ACF Church is a great community to be, to be a part of because we're all, we're all on that journey together. And so we begin to know God, and as we get to know him, I believe we begin to trust him. I think another example is kind of like this in my life. People love to loan me vehicles. They just, they just do. They love to loan me cars. So I was a mechanic, and uh, that's what my training is in. Um, and so I was a mechanic for a few years. And so when people loan me a car, my dad always told me growing up, he said, when somebody loans you something, you always give it back to them better than when you got it, right? Anybody else's dads ever say that? You give it back to them better than when you got it. And so when somebody loans me a car, I might like wax it for them. I might vacuum out the interior. I might tighten up a squeaky belt, lay up underneath it, you know, look for any kind of issues. I mean, if, if I put enough miles on it, I might even change the oil for you. That's, that's just what I do when I, when I borrow vehicle. I'm not actually trying to borrow your vehicle in case you're wondering. My cars work fine. I don't need to borrow anything, but people like to let me borrow things because it comes back better than when I borrowed it. And, and so it's funny, when, when you realize that, you're like, oh yeah, take it. Like, Brian, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know. You should borrow my car. <laughs> like, I mean, I, that, that's, it happens. And so I think as you get to know God, you realize that he is faithful and that he is good and that he comes in on his end of the deal and always provides and always sustains. So God is trustworthy. But I'll tell you this, until you trust God, you won't truly know God. So before you're like Brian, you're kind of speaking out of both sides of your mouth here. So these things work together. I think, I think once, you, once you start to know God, you develop a trust in him. But until you trust in God, you won't truly know him. Until you take a step of faith, you won't truly know him. So what I mean is this, like we live in a YouTube culture. You, you know, if you want to learn anything, you just go to YouTube and figure it out. I was rebuilding a carburetor the other day. YouTube, this dude walked me through the whole thing, and I did it, you know, like I actually did it. 
But what happens a lot of times is people just watch the videos, they read the books, and they never actually do it. And so we develop this inflated sense of ability. Like, no, I could do all of that if I, you know, if I really wanted to, you know. If I, if I really wanted to do that, I could do any of it. But some of us, when we get into it, we're like, oh, I didn't have the skill that I thought I did. I mean, I, I've seen it done on TV a thousand times. But when I got into it, I couldn't really perform like I thought I could. I think our, our faith is kind of like this. We're like, no, I, I, tr- I trust God. I, I know God. But then when you're faced with a cliff moment, you know, you're like, ah, man, I felt like I was more confident than this. I, I really, I, I had understood it, you know, in a, in a cerebral sort of way, but when I tried to take the step, I just couldn't get my legs to move. You know, I think, I think that happens to us a lot of times. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Thank you, Christopher Haynes, for offering your diesel truck. Where are you at? Thanks, buddy. Facebook notification right there in the middle of Scripture. That was awesome. <laughs> Should shut off my Wi-Fi during the sermons. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't even I couldn't focus. I'm like, thanks, bud. He's like, take my truck anytime, man. All right. I'm lost. <laughs> okay, so John 14. Uh, that was funny. So John 14, he's saying, if you keep my commandments, that's who loves me. He's saying, if, if you are a person who loves, then, then you are, are one who loves me, and that's going to show me that you're my child. And he says, what's going to happen is then I'm going to make myself known to you. So there's this connection between your obedience and, and the trust of God. Like, like you're going to have to be obedient before you truly trust God. And then God says, I'm going to make myself known to you as you walk in obedience. And so these things work together. Uh, a lot of us, uh, anybody ever have, have doubts in God? Anybody ever doubt God before? Okay, anybody else lie in church ever? Anybody else lie? <laughs> the rest of you, right? So we've all doubted God before. We've had our doubts in God that he's going to take care of us and provide for us. And so doubts happen. And my doubts, I still have a lot of doubts. I still lay in bed at night and go, God, why is it this way? And yet, we walk in obedience. And as we walk in obedience, you know what? Over time, I just develop faith and trust in God. I just, I have so much respect for people that are older than me, have been a, a Christ follower longer than me, and have this ability to just, when, when forced with a cliff type of moment, they just go, no, I just take a step. Because God, God will always provide. And his way is always better. And as I've looked back at my life, I've got all of this experience that I just, I have just disciplined myself to take a step. Do I have doubts? Absolutely. Like the most faithful Bible scholar that you've ever met, they've got doubts. They've got issues. Anybody nailed it, like figured God out at this point? Cool. That's great. So you're not lying in church. That's good. Because none of us have achieved this yet. So this is the process that we're all on. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So this is what it's going to take. This is the process of faith. You can't remove faith from the equation, although we'd like to. We'd like to just understand God enough. We'd like to do enough research. We'd like to get all of our ducks in a row before we take a step. Sometimes God just places you in front of opportunities to be faithful when you don't see that God's going to catch you when, when nothing is guaranteed. So it looks kind of like this. I'm married to my wife, Amanda. Um, when we came together, it was a, this is, this is 
forever. Like, we are sealing the escape hatches. We are together forever. And that is marriage. And so we made that commitment to each other. And I wonder, I wonder do you think that we had any guarantee that it was going to work out? Did any of you, like, who were married, did you have any guarantee your marriage was going to work out? Some of you are like, no. I mean, I've had a couple that didn't work out. Like, there's been, there's been no guarantee that marriage is going to work out. And yet, what do you do? You go to the altar with somebody and you say, okay, I'm going to commit to you for life. And, and what this means is I'm committing to both be a trustworthy person and to put my trust in you. Like, there's no guarantees here. I mean, it takes both of us. We're both going to make some mistakes. It's not going to go well. And so you enter into marriage with, it's a faith step, right? Marriage is a faith step. Because there, there ain't no guarantees in life. And so when you come to marriage, there's faith involved. It's like this with God. You walk into this relationship. And you may have some doubts. And, and God's never going to be the one that, that messes it up. I mean, it'll always be us. But we understand this, like, listen, I don't, I don't totally have everything figured out. And some of you are, are waiting to figure everything out about God before you take a step of faith and you say, listen, I'm just going to make a covenant. I'm going to enter into this relationship with you, and I don't have you figured out yet. Um, I'm a little scared. I don't really know everything yet. I've got a lot of issues with maybe the Bible or with theology, but I just know that you're good, and I know that you're a loving father, and I know I can trust you. It's kind of like marriage, and that's how we come to God. And we say, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you, even though I don't have everything figured out. So this draws out, I think, a tough question. And the question is this, will God ever fail you? Just wrestle with that for a second. Will God ever fail you? So some of you guys might be like, no. No, he won't. Like, easy answer, nope, God won't fail me. And if that's you, I would again, I would ask you, like, look at your life. Do you really believe that? Like, does everything line up with this reality that you're saying, God will never fail me? Or maybe some of you are like, absolutely, he fails me all the time. He failed me when I was in college. He failed me in this relationship. He failed me in my job. He fails across the world with earthquakes and hurricanes and horrible things that are happening. He's failing our country. Like, he's failing our country. I don't know. Like, he's failing all over the place. Yeah, will God fail me? Absolutely fails us all the time. So let me, let me paint you a picture of, of this kind of this way. And just as I was kind of wrestling with this, I thought about it. So if you call me after church today and you're like, hey, Brian, I just had a real bad fight with my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, like I'm, I'm just all messed up right now and I just need somebody to talk to and it's really hard for me to call and ask for help, but I'm just going to call you and see if you could just meet with me tonight. Can you come over to my house? I'm, I'm really just calling out for help right now. And I'm on the other end of the line, I think, for a second and I say, I can't do it. Um, it's not a good night. Sorry, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. I care about you. Maybe we can meet a different time, but uh, this isn't going to work out today. So we hang up the phone, and you're just furious, right? You're like, why doesn't he care about me? My moment of need, like I called him, and what a jerk. I can't believe he didn't come over. How hard is it just to get in your car and go to my house? Like, is that, what kind of friend is he, you know? And, and maybe you didn't realize, but like, my kids have had strep all week, and I haven't been home one night this week, and my wife is like, ah, like here, you know? And so I made, made a call. This isn't actually reality. I'm just saying, like, 
potentially, this is the world that I live in. And so you are over here fuming about the decision that I've made, and I'm over here going, man, I'd love uh, to be with you, but I just, this, there's, there's more over here. So let me ask you a question. Did I fail? No. Did I fail you? Yeah. So this is the thing. God may fail you, but God never fails. He may fail you. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, I think, they're resisting following God because God's not doing what they want him to do. Like you look around, and this, is, this gets delicate, and I get it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stories in this room and a lot of pain that people have gone through, um, a lot of circumstances that you're like, hey, this shouldn't have ever happened. And, and I, I agree with you, and I believe that God weeps with you when there's pain. But just, I, I, think, uh, I think it was Oswald Chambers had this quote where he said, it's, it's really easy to criticize God for missing the mark when you don't have the perspective to see what he was aiming at. It's really easy to say, God, you screwed up big time when you don't realize what God was actually aiming at. And so we have to zoom out of our circumstances here a little bit, and we have to be careful because uh, I think as Christians, then there's sort of like the other side of this that's like, but, you know, Romans 8.28, you know, God's working all things together for the good of those who love him, you know. You just want to like smack him across the face and say, how's that working out for you who love him? You know, like... So you have to be careful with that, but I do believe that God is working things out and that there's something deeper going on here. And I believe that, I feel like as a pastor, one of my greatest calls um, is to constantly bring you back to this realization that the world is not about you. I feel like that is maybe one of my primary calls. Fun job. Um, is to bring us all back to this. I need this all the time. So I'm, I'm just going to say it to you every time I need to hear it is that this, this world is not about us. And we look at this place like, like we get to invite God into our story when truly what's going on is God has invited us into his story. And I don't know that we view things that way. And when we start to, we can begin to zoom out of this situation and we start to look at God and go, man, God is so huge. And he, he sees things in a way that I can't see things. And like, I'm 32. God is eternal. Do you think that our perspectives are going to align all the time? Like God is literally sustaining the world. He is keeping breath in my lungs as we speak. He's keeping my heart beating. He knows the number of hairs that are on all of your heads. He is keeping the world on its axis. He's keeping the sun burning at just the right temperature. I mean, this is the God that sustains all things. Do you think that when I see the world and he sees the world, we're going to see the same thing? Probably not. And I think God's okay with that. I think he's okay with us going to him and saying, I don't like this. Um, I think he can be with you in that. And so I'd encourage you to, to be willing to do that, but to zoom out from your situation and to know that God is trustworthy for us. So here's a few things that I think I've seen as, as I'm like, okay, where is there an absence of trust in our lives um, I would say this. I would say that I'm always praying for God to redeem things, and yet I'm not willing to risk for him. I am always praying that God will fix things. I see, him, I, I see a situation that's coming, or I'm going through something. I'm like, God, would you, would you help me? Would you give me some kind of strength to walk through this? Would you help the circumstances to work out? And yet when faced with sort of a cliff moment, I'm just thinking ceiling fan, right? I'm like, I don't know, because there's that time you didn't do what I thought you should do, and 
And so I just, I don't know if I should risk for you. I see that in a lot of our lives. I don't know where this is in your life. You probably have something right now that you're like, this is the risk that God has been placing on my heart for a while and I've been resisting for a long time. Maybe you've already got that in your mind. Um, I see that we ask God to protect our children, but we don't trust him with their choices. Um, this is only beginning to get hard for me. My oldest is an eight-year-old, but I think for, as parents, as you, as you walk through this, it gets hard because we do like child dedications. Uh, we prayed for a family this morning who just wanted to be prayed for as they were raising this child. And so we do this where we're like, hey, we just placed this kid in your hands, God. And we're like, hey, you, you love this child more than any of us could ever love this child. And so we say that, and then they go and do things. And then we become like the helicopter parents, right, that are just all up in their business all the time. And I'm not saying avoiding good parenting. Parent well, but there's a point where we go, okay, they're going to make some choices. And I believe that God will be with them in their decisions. I believe that God will be with them. I'd say this, that we ask God to provide for our futures, but we don't trust him with our finances. Do you see that in your life? Because I see it in mine. We, we go, okay, God, give me, uh, sustain my family. And we pray this prayer like, God, I just, I just pray that I'd be able to support my family. I just want to keep a good job. You know, I want to save for the future. You know, maybe go out and have a little fun once in a while. You know, God, just give me everything that I need. That's a prayer for a lot of people. And yet we don't trust him with our finances. The Lord's prayer was like this. It was, give us this day our daily bread, right? That's how Jesus taught us to pray because he said, listen, you guys need to start off with this, that God is the sustainer. That he is the one that keeps you moving every day. That gives you permission to wake up every morning. Like God gives you everything that you possibly need. And so he says, hey, pray for bread. And bread was a big deal in their culture. They ate a lot of breads. High carb culture, I guess, you know. Um, I don't know, like lots of bread. That was what was sustaining them. And even as you look back in the story of Israel, as they're wandering in the desert, we, we read about them like getting manna from heaven, which is basically bread from heaven, which that'd be cool, right? You just walk outside and there's like breakfast, you know, in the driveway all ready for you. This is how they lived. And they would wander and God would give them everything they needed every day. But he said one thing. He said, don't save any for yourself. Like, take what you need and I will provide for you every day. And then if you know the story, you know the thinkers in the crowd, right? The smart people, they were like, I'm going to put some under my bed, Right? Because there's a chance that God's not going to really come through on this. Like there's a, yeah, I trust God, but I'm going to put a little bit underneath here. And so, so the thinkers in the crowd, the, the wise people were like, hey, let's just, let's just hide a little bit over here. That'd be the smart thing to do. So they did the smart thing. And then if you know, like they woke up the next day and do you remember what happened to the bread? It was like nasty. It was worms in it and it was rotten, which is gross. And so like this is what God caused to happen. He said, listen, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm going to give you just what you need to make it through today because you're going to be forced to trust me. This is how he walked with his people, and I believe that's how he walks with us. He's like, I know that you're trying to do the smart thing, um, but the smartest thing to do is to trust me. And he's not saying throw wisdom out the window. He's saying be wise, but be wise in Jesus. And so I think that's important. Pray for God to sustain you, but um, trust him with your finances. He's been faithful in our family, I'll be honest with you. Man, it, this is a hard one for me, but God has been so faithful to us. Um, a few things, I think, for you guys as you want to learn how to trust God is 
we can just work these things into our rhythms. These are things that you know probably already, but things we just need to be reminded of. And the first is just to spend some time in his word. If you want to get to know God, you need to get in the word. And as you get in the word, you're going to learn more about him. You're going to learn who he is. And then you're going to develop trust in him as you watch him be faithful to his people for generations and generations. That's the story of God. This is truly seeking him. I've got a few friends of mine. Um, we've made this commitment this summer to be doing uh, just a time alone with God in the morning. You guys might think, oh, you're a pastor. You get, prayed, you get paid to do that. You know, like, I read the word for making sermons a lot, and I, I struggle with just waking up and just getting in the word because it's time with me and God. And so I knew I needed that challenge. I had some friends. And so we, we decided to say, uh, three days a week, we're going to wake up in the morning, and uh, we're going to do five minutes, five whole minutes in the Word. And what's going to happen is we're going we're gonna to pray a little bit. We're going to read, you know, eight to ten verses. And then we're going to get out a journal, which I know is hard. Uh, it's hard for me. And we're going to write down a couple thoughts. And the rule was, like, if you spend more than five minutes, you failed. <laughs> like five minutes. We want sustainable. Because how many of you done this? You got motivated, like I'm going to get in the Word. Then you go and you, you read like for two hours. And then you like write a whole book worth of stuff in your journal. And then you never do it again, right? You're like, man, I can't sustain that. So we said five minutes a day. Get in the Word. Read eight to ten verses. Uh, pick a book. Just write out what is God saying in this scripture? What's it mean to me right now? If you write more than half of a page, you failed again. So like half a page, not more than half a page. And so this has been our commitment. We're going through something called the Moravian Text, which if you uh, want to look that up online, you can look that up. And it's just a book of daily devotional type things. Um, and so that's been really good for us. The next thing is to spend time with his people. Spend time with his people. You want to get to know God, you should get to know his people, right? You should show up to, so if you're here today and you're like, man, I don't really feel like I know God. I'm trying to get to know God. And so, uh, and you're at church, if you want to get to know God, just look at all these people. How do you feel about that? If you want to get to know God, look at the church. Look at the people of God. That's how you're going to get to know God. Look at how they live their lives. Look at how they love their families. Look at how they, how they work. That's how you can get to know God. Look at the church. Anybody freaked out by that? that that's how it's supposed to be, right? That's, that's what's going to happen if you want to do. That's why gathering as the church is so important. Um, we, we need all of you to be running all, on all cylinders. Like, I, we need you to be involved. We need you to be living on mission. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You need the rest of the church, and the church needs you. And so the world will look out, and they will look at the church and say, this is what the love of God looks like. Paul calls himself an ambassador of God. That's what we are. We are ambassadors of God. That's what we do, which is kind of scary, isn't it? I mean, come on, be honest. Like, this is a little scary that this is what we're called to do. Uh, I mentioned that I was a mechanic. I worked for my dad or my father-in-law for a while. And uh, one of my favorite things at the diesel shop was to go on service calls. And so we, I'd get in this big service truck, and I'd go, you know, replace an airbag on a semi. And so I'm coming back from a service call, and I'm like, I wonder how fast this puppy will go. So I just mashed the thing to the floor, right? And at about 85, 90 miles an hour, it hits some kind of rev limiter, and it's like, rah, ee, rah, ee. and I'm like, this is awesome. So I'm cruising along. I'm rah, flying past everybody, you know, weaving in and out of traffic. So I get to the shop, and there's my father-in-law. 
And I'm like, oh, this does not look good. And I, I come in and he goes, hey, come into the office, which that's always a bad sign. And I sat down and he goes, he goes, were you speeding? And I'm like, oh, you know, that busted feeling like, how oh, did you know? And I'm like, yes, I was speeding. He goes, that's, that's fine. I'm like, what, how in the world? And he's like, I got three phone calls in the past 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because the truck is like a driving billboard. I mean, on the side of it is like, truck repair, you know, number right on the side. I mean, it lets you know. Call them. And so I just didn't even think about it. I was just like enjoying myself, you know, weaving in and out of traffic. I mean, it's, it's hard, right? So then I had to think twice going, okay, the way I drive represents the larger organization that I'm a part of. Uh, that is the church. And so we have to just be honest about that. That's why showing up to this thing, you guys, this is so important that we gather together and do this. Like this is so valuable that we get together, we worship together, that we, that we sing, that we learn God's word together. I mean, it's so important because we need, we need to be tooled up for the world. And so this isn't like an optional deal, showing up to church. I mean, some of you are like, I'm doing church on the Kenai, you know? Like, it, it's cool. Like, I'm going down to the Kenai when the fish are running too. But I'm not going to call that church because church is the gathering of the body. And so you need the body to be there. You can worship on the Kenai. You just can't go to church on the Kenai. So, I mean, just, just to understand those terms, like, this is so important. We need you and you need us to be on mission. And the third thing is this, spend time in his will. You want to get to know God? Do as he says. 1 John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. I love that passage. It's so good, you guys. This is so important that you know this. Like, don't, if, if you're walking through life and you're like, I don't trust God, I just want to get more information, maybe at some point it's not information that you need, you need some application. At some point it's like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do this and it's scary, but I'm going to walk in obedience in this area of my life that I've been resisting him. And this, this draws a hard line. It's like, hey, anyone who doesn't love does not know God. It's pretty important. Are you lacking love in your life? especially right now in the cultural time that we, that we sit in, are you lacking love? Because that's how he's saying we know that you love God. And then he says this, this is awesome. He says that his love is made manifest. Like his love shows itself. Just like our love should show itself, his love shows itself by sending his son to die for us. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Like God doesn't just stand here and say, well, I could love you. You guys are kind of screwing this thing up, but I'm just going to stand here because I'm not really sure it's worth it. He says, no, I love you so much that I'm going to take my son and I'm going to send him and I'm going to pour out the wrath of all of humanity onto him and he's going to die in your place. That's how much I love you. That's what God's love looks like. And so that's what kind of father we serve. My father is trustworthy to the point of death. So that's our story. I don't know where you are today. Um, I think it's important for us to develop trust in God and start to walk in some of those places of obedience. Um, I think it's important to look beyond today. If you've been living for Jesus for today because Jesus feels like a warm blanket to you sometimes, um, there's more to it than that. 
Because sometimes God won't do what you want him to do. Paul says this, he says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. He's saying that if you only have hope in Jesus just to kind of get you through today, Jesus is just here to kind of make you feel better about yourself, you are of most to be pitied. But if you think with an eternal perspective, if you look beyond today and you live your life not for what's here and now, but for what's to come, there will be joy everlasting. It's this eternal perspective. And I don't know if you came here today with an eternal perspective. I don't know if you came here with eternity in mind, but I want to encourage you, if you've lacked trust in God, if you've been here and you're like, yeah, Brian, that's my life, I would check the box on the survey, but if I'm honest, I don't really trust God. I've never really walked into a trusting relationship with him. Um, Then I just want to pray with you. I want to give you that chance today to make that commitment to walk into a place of trust, and I believe it'll change your life to just begin to walk in step with Jesus. Even if you don't have it figured out, even if you've got questions. So could we just pray that together? Jesus, I know that uh, I have my doubts. I know that my life doesn't reflect trust in you many times. So today, Father, I just surrender myself. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have you figured out, but I am convinced that you're a good God who loves me, that you are a loving Father one who sacrifices everything for me, and, and, and that's enough for me. So I just commit my life to walk in step with you today. I ask for your grace when I fail and I fall, and I ask for your strength to be a representative of Christ to the world around me. And Jesus, I just pray for our church today and our community as we uh, walk away from this place, as we go into worship here, that we would worship from a place of peace, not of fear. God, that you would strip us from this concern that uh, somehow maybe you've lost control. God, we know you're in charge. We know you're good. We know you're involved. And God, we're excited to be on the road with you. We love you and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.